This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. April 8th, 2022. Not sure if you knew this, Jim. You've got two beautiful labs at home. You're a dog owner, proud Mm -hmm. dog papa. Absolutely. Today, April 8th, is National Dog Farting Awareness Day. Huh. It needs its own day. Do your Hmm. dogs get gassy? My little one does a little bit. Not so much anymore, but for a while. Or my girlfriend was for a little, like, six-month stretch and just, you know, had a great scapegoat. Yeah. Blame it on the dog. For whatever reason, though, for about six months, you'd just be sitting there watching TV, and all of a sudden, like, a big waft of something would float over (laughs) on the couch. I'm sure sure Sarah's going to really appreciate you. Hey, throwing hey, that I, accusation her way live on the radio. Well, one of my ladies is getting thrown under the bus. <laughs> Somebody stinks. Lil Murphy. Mm-hmm. How to observe dog farting awareness day. This is an actual uh, website that I found here because uh, you may not have known the day even existed before right now. So if you have a dog, celebrate the day by contemplating if your dog is farting too much or not. If you think they are, take some steps to try and lessen their farting. Make sure they aren't breathing too heavily while they are eating. And check with a veterinarian about giving them a supplement. Visit the Dog Farting Awareness Facebook page to learn more about the day. If you don't have a dog, you can still raise awareness by telling others what you have learned about dog farting and how to lessen it. In the arms of the (laughs) angel. It is Dog Farting Awareness Day, everybody. On the next Scooby-Doo, they celebrate Dog Farting Awareness Day. (laughs) What is it, Scoop? Smell something? Smells good. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. We, We just gave some credit and some recognition to Austin Matthews, who, uh, who played some great hockey last night, became the Toronto Maple Leafs all-time uh, franchise goal scorer on a season with 56 goals. He got 55 to break the record last night, and then he followed it up with an overtime winner, 56. What a night. His performance was incredible, but we need to acknowledge another performance during last night's Leaf game. Against the stars, the call on that goal, number fifty-five, was something that I've never really heard before during a hockey game. Matthews from the corner, Giordano, Matthews one time, and there it is. Matthews scores a historic goal, number fifty-five for Austin Matthews. <laughs> I thought he was gonna break into a full-on musical number there. <laughs> Austin Matthews. <laughs> Everybody in the booth starts singing like a barbershop quartet. Austin, Austin, Austin Matthews. <laughs> it's like his voice was about to break. He wanted to maintain the one note, but then his voice kind of broke or wavered. Or and then he kind of, I don't even know. When- Goal number 55 for Austin Matthews. <laughs> He's a man with a stash who scores lots of goals. He's Austin Matthews. 80s TV show in- intro style. <laughs> it almost sounded like a, like a South American soccer uh, announcer because they, they yeah. start singing a little bit when they get excited. Yeah, if someone scores a goal, they'll, they'll go into like a full-on routine that they've worked out in their head. Totally. 
Gloria. Da 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 pressure on these guys though because these legendary goals you know this is going to be replayed hundreds thousands of times yeah that milestone yeah do you think he did it on purpose or do you think do you think that was you think he if he could take that call back he'd he'd do it differently next time or i think he he wishes he had that one back because you know that that's the he knows that goal is coming he's waiting for his moment sometimes they have a fun pun or something like that or a fun play on words that they have ready this guy was just going with the moment and i think got caught up in it a little bit yeah it was almost like i was watching american idol for a second there So on the show, we've uh, made mention of egg and poultry prices, which seem to be going up considerably. And one of the things that is being uh, linked to the rise in price is uh, the avian flu, which seems to be rearing its ugly head right now. Um, Don is one of our listeners, lives up near Listowel. He's a farmer slash trucker. And you've heard us uh, mention this a couple times, Don. You're not mad at us, are you? No, no, I'm not mad. I just, you know, I think a little clarity for uh, for folks who go to the grocery stores these days and see rising food prices in general. You know, it's the avian flu is kind of hitting us smack in the face at probably the worst time possible coming out of the pandemic and rising fuel prices and carbon tax and commodity prices. It's it's, uh, it's really like we're looking down, down the barrel of a gun here right now as far as the supply chain and how fragile it is, right? Like... It goes a lot deeper than the avian flu. The avian flu is, you know, a terrible thing. It happened back in 2015, and it's showing its ugly head here again. But it's what, uh, what does the I avian flu do exactly to uh, to the poultry that you're raising on the farm? It, it more or less will cause death, like high mortality rates um, spike. Um, it's something, you know, that's kind of came into Ontario here. It appears through the migratory birds. So it's one of those things like how do we how do we control it other than really shutting down our farms from traffic in and out and by doing that you know for instance yesterday at our farm we had two feed trucks roll in with feed for our our laying hens and every farm they go to and every time they go back to their mill to reload and and leave again they've got to stop and disinfect all the tires on the trailers themselves put on proper ppe to to enter our property and every other property they go to. And all this adds so much time. You know, we look at what labor costs and then fuel costs and everything else it costs to run a truck or a farm through the day. This is just one more cost that, you know, is thrown in the mix. You know, unfortunately, it doesn't just come out of thin air, this money to, to recoup it, right? Yeah. And And we've been looking at a pricing increase here on various commodities and not just eggs but various for, for just this reason right you know the price of fuel more or less a dollar a liter more now than it was a year ago if you were booking it you know and a lot of farmers will book it for their year to to try and have some security on what what their costs are going to be but we're talking a dollar or more a liter and you know for some some farms it's that's a quarter million dollars a year um, wow. more or, you know, or trucking operations, we're, you know, you're looking at 
30, I've heard some guys tell me with just 10 or 11 trucks, 30,000 more a week in fuel costs Whoa. just over the last six weeks. Right. So would you I advise guess, to be, would you advise people stock up on chicken? Like, do you think the price is going to well, continue I, to go uh, up? No, like, I, should they fill their freezers? I, I don't have a crystal ball there and I don't want to cause any panic here, but this is one of those things that there's so many factors right now that go into the price of our food that it's, I, 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 I'm not saying it's not the avian flu. The avian flu could have a have a devastating impact potentially, but that's where I guess I was calling into you know for a lot of people we get people stopping at our farm. We live on a busy road, and they want to buy chickens or they want to buy eggs. And I guess I'm asking people right now that this spreads as simply as driving your car in a in a farm's laneway, and you get out and you step in bird poo to put it simply out in the yard, and you try and walk in the barn. It could be on the bottom of your shoe. It gets inside the barn. It then spreads through the entire farm, entire flock flocks uh hmm. so i guess you know to, to put it simply it's a scary situation you know um we don't walk in our barns without obviously changing footwear and we do that on a daily basis but for so many people that we're very it's it's a it's a sensitive and scary fragile situation that we're we're dealing with and i guess you know all these factors go into an unfortunate situation for a lot of people that are having a tough time affording food i get it right but yeah. it's it's really an uncontrollable situation yeah. we're all facing an, un- an uncertainty in this world right now and you know crisis around the world like ukraine and other situations where there's a large agricultural um hub for wheat and small grains like oats and barley like things like that impact breweries and and flour mills like it's just a it's a situation that nobody knows what's going to really happen truthfully but i guess you know having people be aware that this is the avian flu is not a hoax. I've tried not to read some of the Facebook stuff because they think this is all part of the the conspiracy of a government ploy. It's not. This is this is you know right down to the bare bones. You see a wild bird and you don't know whether it's you know. And we try and keep all that stuff out of our barns, of course. But sometimes you just the inevitable happens, right? Yeah. Accidents take place. Maybe a door gets left open and a bird flies in. Silly things have have happened, and it sounds. Well, why didn't you prevent it? Well, we try, but accidents happen, right? So, yeah. Don, we appreciate we appreciate you uh, giving us some insight and and reminding us where our food comes from. No, I, I appreciate that. And you know, I think uh, when customers go to the stores and buy their food, and you know, think of all the people involved. That it's not just the farmers; it's the production people at the feed mills and the egg grading facilities, and you know, the the slaughterhouses. It's not the it's not the part of the business that some people like to talk about, but all these people are are working through a pandemic year once again and keeping food, you know, flowing through the the store shelves the best we can. This is the Taz and Jim podcast. Uh, If you follow us on Facebook, the Taz and Jim account on Facebook, you'll notice that every morning Jim Kelly posts, uh, it's basically like the meme of the day. Just a funny meme to give people a, a smile as they get their day underway. Yeah. And today's, I just saw today's, Jim. It's so funny. It's a, it's two, a picture of a, a kid with like a super slick haircut. You know, he's got the sick fade. He's got the line perfectly manicured right where his hair is parted. And the caption says, eight-year-old's haircuts now. And then there's another picture of a kid says, my haircut when I was eight, and this kid has the bowl cut 
of all bowl cuts. Oh, yeah. Not even a straight bowl cut, though. It's like it's a little up and down. It's like the mom just grabbed the kitchen scissors out of the pantry drawer and just started hacking away. You can relate to this because you did have a bowl cut. I've seen some pictures where you, uh, probably around the same age, eight years old, were like rocking the bowl cut hard. Up until almost 12 i think i was i had a good like six year stretch this kid's bowl cut looks like he is the youngest of about six kids and by the (laughs) time mom got to cutting his hair she really didn't give a damn yeah or just (laughs) let the oldest sister cut his hair (laughs) how long until that hairstyle becomes popular again though Get on it, Biebs. Look at what is going on with the mullets right now. I, you know, I, I, can't, I can't tell if people are wearing these mullets. The young kids are, are doing the mullets ironically, or they actually think they look good. I think it's a bit, I think it's a bit of both. There was a, I think it's dying off. Maybe I'm not going to the mall enough, but I'm seeing less mullets than I was two years ago. But there was, there was an effort. There was an attempt for the mullet to be cool again. Well, if you're seeing less mullets, Jim, you're obviously not watching professional golf because I gotta, t- I gotta tell you, my new favorite guy on the tour is Cameron Smith. Yeah. He, he was in the mix yesterday at Augusta National. If you haven't seen his mullet, you gotta check it out. It is just quintessential, like total total business in the front, like some tight business going on in the front, and yeah. then the back is just a stringy ratty party. Yeah, there's some there's some mullets that they've got volume. You know, you turn to the side, it's sticking out. Yeah. It's like it's a real message, like well, a, hey, how are you back there? Th- this guy is an Australian golfer, so maybe when you're uh, you're, you're one of your uh, Fellow uh, Australians, Mel Gibson mm, had the iconic. Yeah, he had like the the big old in lethal weapon that. Oh yeah, that, that too. massive lion's mane. So maybe uh, it's part of your birthright if you're an Australian. You have to at least one point because of Mel Gibson try and grow a mullet. Oh yeah, it's the Gibson law that they have in in, in the east coast of Australia. <laughs> but then he also has the mustache that's uh, trying too hard. That's also very thin. The mullet's very thin, the mustache is very thin as well. But you're seeing 20-year-olds rocking those those thin mustaches now as well. And I don't know, do they think they look good? Are they doing it ironically? Hmm. Is it kind of a joke and then they just keep it around? I think the mustache in particular is it always starts as a joke, but the guy might think it kind of looks good. He's waiting for the compliment to see if it's going to (laughs) keep... You know, oh, oh yeah, it's a joke, guys, until one girl says, I kind of like it on you, and then it's for real. Well, get on the trend early. I guarantee within the next four years, the bowl cut is going to be back in style. Start investing now. <laughs> in bowls. Start a bowl store. <laughs> <laughs> next to a barber shop. Hey, you know, the uh, the teachers have a pretty strong union. You got some real job security if you're a teacher. Mm-hmm. Not this secure, though. In Texas, a teacher has resigned after setting a child's hands on fire during a science experiment involving hand sanitizer. Oh, boy. Here is the uh, the police chief 
talking about the incident. The investigation showed it was actually a science experiment that had been going on off and on all day. It looks like every class that day had a group of students that volunteered to do it. Uh, there was also another classroom that was doing the same thing where there, there was no incident. So he was intentionally setting the kids' hands on fire, putting sanitizer on the hands and saying, hey, watch how cool this is. So then the cool part would be like, hey, it's burning and you can't even feel it. That, that, must would, be it. that would be the cool part. But that unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, one of the kids did feel it. Oh, and this boy. teacher no longer has a job. This is, you know, it's all fun and games when it comes to flames, but the one time you make a mistake, it's like when you light a, uh, like a liquor drink on fire, you know, some of these drinks they light on fire. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for every, you know, a hundred guys that drink it successfully, there's going to be one guy whose face gets burnt, you, you know? You don't want to miss your mouth when you're doing a flaming Zambuca shot, that's <laughs> for sure. There's a science experiment that that former teacher could do at his local Applebee's later this afternoon. <laughs> He's got some time and some flames on his hands. This is the Taz and Jim podcast. Hey, Jim, Mark Zuckerberg. This is hilarious. Mark Zuckerberg, everyone's favorite guy, the head of Meta. Yeah. Uh, Facebook. He uh, He's got a nickname around the office, apparently. Yeah, it, lovingly. It's it's uh, what he says is a loving nickname that his his beautiful employees who care about him deeply gave him, and that nickname is the Eye of Sauron. <laughs> if you don't get the reference, it's like literally this giant eye on top of this giant evil tower in Lord of the Rings that watches everything that everybody. It's essentially the devil. <laughs> and the Lord of the Rings watching everything, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's a uh, it's a material manifestation of evil, is it not? Essentially, kind of what a, I got out of those evil incarnate movies. who has died, and now this is the only way exists in a giant eye in the sky that sees everything and watches all. So he says it's oh it's loving it's not because they don't like me he says uh, you know he uh, according to him this is his nickname because. Speaking in the second person, I guess, this is how he talked about it. He says, you have this unending amount of energy to go to work on something. And if you point that energy at any given team, you'll just burn them. So I guess it's not real, a super compliment, but he's there. Like, it's a kind of like a nice way of saying you're overbearing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and everybody yeah. hates you. You it, scare everybody. It sounds like uh, there was a couple employees who got Mark Zuckerberg walked into the room while they were talking about him. They're like, oh, God, has anyone seen the eye of Sauron today? Yeah, uh, excuse me, is, is, are you referring to me? Yeah, and then they had to cover their butts. Yeah, <laughs> oh no, we mean it in a good way. Yeah. No, no, you're really good at making rings. <laughs> we we call you Darth Vader, but like at the end of Return of the Jedi when he <laughs> makes up with Luke and takes his helmet off, you're that Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you you, just, you look good in black. That's it. <laughs> the Eye of Sauron. Of what it would it probably would be like that with him as your boss. You know, like he he's he's a workaholic. Like these guys, him and Jeff Bezos. You say what you will about them. They are workaholic. They have worked very hard for right. their lives, and, and they, they have expect the people technology. around. Them. Dude. that allows them to see all and know all. Oh, yeah, Facebook is the eye of Sauron <laughs> of the Internet. It really is. Yeah. You'll like this uh, story out saying that uh, Meta and Mark Zuckerberg are working on a cryptocurrency, Jim. Get oh, in while God. you can. 
They're going to be called Zuck Bucks. Shut your mouth. The, How much uh, of an egomaniac? Zuck Bucks. I don't know if that's the actual name or the nickname. Oh. But uh, this is something that eccentric rich, rich people have always done. Like, I, I forget who the guy was, but in like the late 1800s, there was a guy who was like a big mining rich guy and then he had all these people living in his mining town and he created his own currency and it was his his last name with the word bucks behind i'm pretty sure it was the exact same thing it was a big controversy but this is what super rich people do they think they can start their own money i wonder if there's going to be a picture of zuckerberg's face on the currency or if it's just going to be a giant flaming eyeball this is the taz and jim podcast Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.